Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. This is Radio Influence. The future is now. You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome to another edition of Sitting Ringside. My name is David Penzer. Glad to have you on board for this thing that we call a podcast uh, here for another week. And um, since we've last talked, a lot has happened in the countdown to WrestleMania getting closer. And uh, the unbelievable of unbelievable has happened. Uh, Daniel Bryan cleared to wrestle. The chances of that, in my mind, uh, based on the news that had been reported and based on what Daniel Bryan himself had said, by being cleared by WWE. There was no doubt in my mind that he was going to go to New Japan or Ring of Honor, uh, uh, all of the above, uh, indie shows, uh, you know, possibly uh, the all-in show if he could get out of his deal by then. There's no doubt about it. He was going back to wrestle. Uh, the fact that uh, WWE cleared him uh, was uh, not thought by anybody to be uh, even a 1% possibility. And so it'll be interesting to see. It was a great interview, by the way. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, but um, it was a great promo, uh, uh, a memorable moment, and uh, very happy for, for Brian Danielson to uh, be able to get back in the ring and do his stuff for the in the WWE rings where he loves to be and be a part of WrestleMania with uh, Shane McMahon against uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. So good stuff. Congratulations to uh, Brian Danielson on working really hard and. Uh, really doing the impossible quite frankly and uh it just adds that much more of uh of excitement to wrestlemania and last we talked about wrestlemania a couple of weeks ago i wasn't all all excited about uh what was happening but i think uh i think as time has gotten closer i think uh they've done a good job of building up the matches that they needed to build up and uh you know the daniel bryan being in wrestlemania you know really kind of cool really kind of you know put it over there for me so i'm looking forward to that i'm really glad to hear that uh road dog is going to brian armstrong is going to induct jeff jarrett into the hall of fame their relationship goes way back and brian's been influenced influential in jeff's life in uh recent year or so and um and so uh, i think that that's great and i'm waiting to hear that speech with bated breath and uh i always love to listen to the hall of fame won't be there live this time but always uh Always love to, uh, to, it's my, one of my favorite things of, uh, of the entire year, not even in the wrestling business. One of my favorite things is to, uh, to see the guys go in and hear the stories and have them thank you. And we'll see. Jeff said that there might be a small little chance that my name might be broached. So, uh, I'm not holding my breath. I think of 200, uh, more influential people in his life than I am, but, uh, uh, just happy for him and his family for sure. Recently, uh, there was the premiere to the Andre the Giant documentary, excuse me, uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, it was a WWE HBO combined uh, premiere, so it was sort of a unique mix of of talent. Uh, Mark Henry was there, Rey Mysterio was there, Big Show was there, Triple H and Stephanie, of course, and uh, invited by HBO uh, was Hulk Hogan. Both WWE and Hulk Hogan have recently stated that he will not be participating in WrestleMania. But uh, I did see a picture on the the, the hall of uh, the the red carpet that uh, they were talking. Um, 
I'm sure that was uh, to get people, other people talking. But it should be interesting. It's obvious that they are uh, open to bringing him back at this point. Uh, so, uh, you know, hey, just throwing it out there. SmackDown needs a, a new, uh, a new uh, general manager because Daniel Bryan's a wrestler now. So, uh, so just throwing it out there. That might be a, a good spot for, for Hulk to land. I really hope that Hulk could find his way back to WWE and vice versa. That's where he deserves to be, in my opinion. And... Uh, as far as the documentary goes, it premieres on April the 10th on HBO. And uh, just a couple of quotes. Hulk Hogan said it was tough for him to watch just because he was such good friends with Andre and really meant a lot that Andre passed the torch to him at WrestleMania. Uh, Triple H uh, simply said, absolutely spectacular. Um, Andre the Giant, as, as you've heard people tell stories on this podcast and, and, and all over uh, the wrestling podcast world and the, the dirt sheet world, uh, Andre the Giant has always been a, a, a folklore, so to speak, of uh, you know drinking stories and 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 you know uh, angry Andre and happy Andre and you know the guy was uh, was just transcended uh, the business he was in really transcended uh, you know show business you know he was in uh, early on when wrestling was frowned upon by most of the media he was in the Six Million Dollar Man he played Bigfoot. And if uh, making you guys feel old by reminding you of that, then uh, now you know how I feel. And, uh, of course, uh, after that, they had a, a pretty good part in The Princess Bride, one of my favorite movies to this day. And the lines that he had, some of the greatest lines of all time. And uh, uh, just to love that movie, love uh, his part in it, love the, the, just, I can't say enough about it. Uh, in interesting story. Now, I only got to, to be around Andre one time. Obviously, I uh, made a little late entrance into the wrestling business. Uh, but um, they were doing the, uh, I believe, 25th anniversary of wrestling on TBS. Bill Watts was booking for WCW, and they had a little... At center stage, They uh, where we used to tape, they had a bar area where we would go in for catering. But it was a real bar that was open like when concerts would end and stuff, when they had concerts at center stage. So it was a bar and restaurant. And um, so they had, if I remember correctly, Jim Ross was outside on the uh, cars were coming down and, and stopping and the talent was getting out, the VIPs. Uh, Missy Hyatt was interviewing people and uh, they were showing clips of you know old uh, TBS, uh, WCW stuff and uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling stuff. I believe Gordon Sully was there. Uh, Hank Aaron was there. Um, Andre was there in his Princess Bride outfit. Uh, and so talk about double marking out. And um, and Bruno San Martino was there among other legends. And there's a famous picture that Gary Capetta has on all, all his uh, you know social media and, and website and all that where it's him uh, and Andre on one side and Bruno on the other side. And I was like standing right like two feet from when that picture was taken and trying to get up enough nerve to ask, you know, say hello to Andre or to take a picture uh, with Andre. And, you know, I wasn't even a ring announcer yet. I was just a stooge bringing up enhancement talents. And, you know, the, as JYD said, the walking man getting, you know, paper signed, running guys for interviews. Uh, you just back then it was totally different. Uh, type of business you did not want to be seen as a mark because uh i was taking a chance that if i asked andre uh for a picture 
And he turned around to me and said, you know, what do you do? And I said, well, I run guys for interviews. He would say, uh, you know, leave me alone, you know, and, 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 and from everybody says about Andre, he, he was a very nice guy, but you know, back then, you know, if you weren't indoctrinated in the business, you know, there was a thing called kayfabe and you were kayfabe. So I ended up not asking Andre for a picture. Uh, I was amazed at his size. And uh, the one good thing, I guess, of that whole experience was at least I got to uh, stand next to him and, and appreciate his size, the size of his hands, the size of uh, his, how broad he was. And, uh, you know, part of me wishes I, I, I could have gotten that picture, obviously, for obvious reasons. But the, uh, the other part of me understands that, uh, you know, it just wasn't the right thing to do at the time. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I always hoped there would another be, there would be another opportunity. And he passed away shortly after, very shortly after that appearance. So I never got the opportunity, but, um, I thought since, uh, so many people are talking about Andre the giant, uh, right now with the documentary premiering on April 10th and, and the, like I said, the, the red carpet premiere just a few days ago, uh, I thought that I would, uh, call up a couple of friends and who, uh, rode up and down the road with Andre the Giant who were involved in angles and, and, and matches with Andre the Giant and and get their perspectives and get you some inside perspective on the man, uh, on uh, the stories, on uh, his unbelievable drinking prowess and uh, whatever else that we could, uh, uh, we could get out of uh, the two guests this week. So I uh, want to welcome first a man who starred so to speak in the main event february 5th 1988 it was a spinoff of saturday night's main event but this one was a prime time show uh with uh andre the giant against hulk hogan uh managed by this man the million dollar man ted dibiase who left the ring that night as world champion uh so to tell that tale and more stories please welcome to city ringside one more time the million dollar man ted dibiase Ted, we were talking uh, in the open of the podcast about how, uh, you know, Andre the Giant was such an attraction back in the day and, and uh, the stories, uh, you know, about the drinking stories and the stories of him manhandling guys, if he got uh, annoyed, are legendary. But now with this documentary and bringing him back into uh, the current, uh, you know, uh, the current news, uh, a lot of people are interested in reliving some of those stories and I, I'm, I'm honored to have you on uh, uh, because uh, you were involved in one of the more famous ones, uh, February 5th, 1988, the main event. You had purchased uh, uh, Andre's contract from Bobby Heenan, and um, uh, Andre ended up uh, winning the, uh, the the world title from Hulk and, and sold it to you. So just love to hear your your remembrances about that, uh, that whole angle as, you know, people still remember it to this well, day. Well, the, it was one, in my opinion, one of the, one of the greatest angles that I was a part of. And it was just, it was so well done. And it was, it was, it was the lead in to WrestleMania four. Uh, and I mean, they kept it such a secret that, I mean, I'm honest, I mean, totally honest. I didn't know that Dave Hebner had a night, an identical twin brother until I got to the building. That night. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, and of course I had, no, I had, I'd never, I had never worked the Charlotte territory. That's where they were both, both from. But anyway, um, I mean, I, I, I still remember the look on, on Hogan's face. He did such a good job 
So after, you know, uh, Dave, the head nurse goes down, he's out on the floor, the, the evil twin runs out to the ring, uh, and Andre does something to Hulk and goes down for the count and, you know, one, two and Hulk's shoulders, three feet off the mat and Earl just counts three, gives him the belt to Andre, Andre brings me in the ring, wraps the belt around my waist. And, and, uh, and of course, uh, you know, Hogan gets up and, 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 you know, he's furious and yeah, I can't, I can still, he's got, he's got both of the headers. He's got one on, on each arm and he's looking at the camera <laughs> and he pulls one guy in and looks at him and pushes him back. He pulls the other guy in and looks at him and pushes him back. And then he just does this, this blank stare into the camera. Like what just happened? It was just, it was just, it was great. Uh, but that was the lead in. So, uh, I wore the belt for like a week or so. And so, uh, then, you know, acting, uh, president, uh, uh Jack Tunney, Jack Tunney. Me of the title says you can't be the champion, Jack Tunney. And, you know, you, you didn't win the belt, so you can't have the belt. And Andre technically won and won't take it back because he's been paid off by me. And they can't give it back to Hulk because technically he lost. So what's what's what do we do about this dilemma? We have a tournament to declare a new champion, and that was WrestleMania four, and uh, it was it was great, uh, you know. And that that was really the lead in for my character. I mean that that rub and and WrestleMania four, you know, uh, put me on on you know on the way to uh, you know working on the top and, and and being a major name in the company. So it's it's a time in my life I'll never forget. We've had a lot of people talk, you know, I've heard a lot of stories and we've had other people talk about how Andre, if he wanted to be, was uh, very generous in, in, you know, passing the torch. He passed the torch to Hogan at WrestleMania three. Uh, do you feel like uh, like like you got a huge rub from from him passing the torch sort of to you as uh, as the mega bucks? Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and again, um, I, I, I knew Andre before I went to the WWF. Sure. I was. When I was uh, playing football in, in West Texas, like a number of other guys, that's another story that you need to tell sometime, Dave, about all the wrestlers that came out of West Texas State playing football that became stars in the wrestling business. But I was wrestle, I was playing football at West Texas State. Andre comes to town. The funks are gone. They want me to take him out. And so I took him out to uh, a local pub that all the college kids went to. And we sit down. The girl comes to take the order. And Andre goes, do you have trash can? <laughs> and he says, yeah, we have several of them, big ones. He says, empty trash can, fill it with beer and ice <laughs> and bring to table. She looked at me and I said, yeah, do it. <laughs> and so, I don't know, three or four cases of beer on ice at the, at the table. And, of course, when he wrapped his hand around a beer can, you couldn't see the can. I mean, it was his hands were that big, and so uh, I, I, you know, I remember that part of that night, but I don't remember much of the rest. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he, you know, he didn't force anything on you, but he was, he was a really great guy. He was a super guy, and I'm gonna tell you what, he was a pretty good judge of character. I'm gonna say something: if Andre didn't like you, it's a 99 percent chance you're a butthole, so to speak. And you need your, you know, you need your attitude adjusted. Um, one story I can remember is, uh, now we did a lot of tag team matches, but this particular night, Randy Savage and I had been the main event in Baltimore in a regular match. And then they, you know, they put us on like mid card and then 
boom, to the airport, Learjet into LaGuardia, limo to the, to the garden, and we are the final match. We're in a cage, cage match in the garden. And so, I mean, we're lacing our boots uh, in, in, the, in the car. And uh, so we get in the dressing room, and the, this match between Andre and Bam Bam Bigelow had just ended. And Bigelow comes in the, in, into the dressing room, grabs his stuff, throws it in his suitcase, slams it together, and he walks out the door, and he says, I quit. <laughs> oh my god and apparently andre gave him a bit of an, an attitude adjustment in the ring and but punchline is later and i don't know how long it was that he was gone but bam bam came back and when he came back he said you know what that's the greatest thing that ever happened to me he said i needed that it it, it changed my whole attitude and uh after that he was yeah he was a peach of a guy to get along with somebody you know but I, I, that was andre uh, so yeah, I mean, if Andre didn't like you, he, he, you know, he, he had no, you know, he had, you know, he wasn't shy about letting you know. I would think if a giant tosses you around in Madison Square Garden, that might be a wake up call that you might want to, you might want to change uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, somewhat yeah. of what you're doing. Absolutely. But I had, I had a lot of fun with Andre, uh, you know, and, and, and because after WrestleMania four, we, we, I mean, we wrestled together as a team, gosh, literally all over the country. We wrestled Hogan and, uh, and Savage and Hogan and any one of a number of other guys. And, uh, but they never had, you know, they, 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 you know, they didn't have another single match. They had a lot of tag, we had a lot of tag team matches, right. the, um, but he, um, there was a, just a couple of things that happened with us. We're in a pub one night, you know, at the hotel. And, uh, he says, I'll make you a bet. He said, I can drink five glasses of beer before you can finish five shots. And I said, well, I'm thinking, I know he's a giant, but come on. <laughs> and so he says, you can drink anything you want. You can drink water. He says, but you five shots, or whatever you want, five, five beers, you know, five glasses of beer, you know, like the, glasses you get in the, in, the, in the bar at the bar and um and so i said okay and so he says whoever lose buys around on the, for the house and so uh and then finally he says oh yeah no funny business i go what do you mean he said now you know as i drink my when i put my glass down or he says you know you can't take my you know like a full glass of my beer and, and, and move it over here down the bar to where i can't reach it or anything so no funny business okay sure I said, yeah, 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 no, no funny business. So <laughs> the bartender and I think I got five shots of beer. You know, so I'm going to, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and, uh, the bartender says, go Andre just tips up one and just inhales it. It just disappears. It's like you turned it upside down and, and poured it out on the ground. It's gone. And, you know, and I did like two shots reaching for the third one. And he simply takes his beer glass and puts it over my last shot. <laughs> I can't touch his glass, but in order to get to my last shot, I have to touch his glass, which disqualifies me. So that's one for everybody to remember in case you want to pr play a prank on somebody. And so they, and, and only a uh, voice that Andre can do around for the house. on the million dollar bag. <laughs> yeah. But you, you gotta be like seven foot and, uh, and, and that's strong because a normal person playing a rib on his friend in a the bar, they'll just start a bar fight and throw everybody out. Oh, but you weren't oh, going yeah. to argue yeah. with the giant for sure. Oh um, gosh, Lord. No, I laugh. I laughed right along with him. 
And I said, you know what, that's a good one. I'm going to play it on somebody else. So, uh, but we did. We we had a lot of fun together. And what a lot of people don't understand about Andre is because of his size, he was always he was always looking to get comfortable somewhere. I mean, you know, uh, you know, he flew first class all the time. Quite frankly, he couldn't fit in a coach seat and in a first class seat, even though he could sit in it, he wasn't really comfortable because he was just that big. And so, uh, you know, one of my favorite stories, I put this in my book. So we have to go to Japan. It's 14 hours. The whole, the whole crew is going to Japan. It's a 14 hour flight. And so 14 hours to Tokyo, another hour from the, uh, from the airport to the hotel. And, and of course the, 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 the rule of, of, of uh, thumb is, you know, stay up as late as you can the first night. You're, you know, you're tired. You've been on a plane 14 hours, but because of the time difference, if you go to bed, you're going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning, wide awake. And then at two o'clock in the afternoon, you're going to be asleep. Right. So stay up. So everybody drops their bags. And we're going to meet in the lobby and go someplace and eat and, 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 and try to stay up. So I hit the elevator button and uh, the door opens and there's Andre. He was a couple floors above me. Hey boss, let's go get something to eat. So the elevator starts down and I'm, and it stops on like almost every other floor. And these people just keep getting on. Now, brother, what you and I would consider this elevator is full. Wait for the next one. Uh, not in Japan. I mean, you know, Japan, the whole country is the size of the state of California. Right. And only um, and three quarters of that, landmass are rugged, uninhabitable mountains. So only about a fourth of that territory can actually be inhabited. And that's why you have so many high rise buildings in Japan is stacking up, but the populate the population of Japan is half that of the United States. So that's a whole lot of people in that. And that's why, I mean, they actually pay people to push people onto the trains at Tokyo station to make sure the cars are full when they leave. It's incredible. Oh, wow. And so, but now here's the giant. He's been on a 14 hour flight. He doesn't like to be crowded. He's always looking to be comfortable. People keep getting on the elevator. He just gives me a tap as the door shuts. And I look up at him and he winked at me. I said, okay, wonder what that's about. The next thing you hear is the loudest, longest fart (laughs) I I have ever heard in my life. Brother, I'm telling you, I, I remember I kept looking straight ahead. I was biting a hole through my lip and I kept thinking, I know it's the giant, but how could any human possibly have that much air in their body? And all I could picture is the poor Japanese guy that's standing directly behind me that's getting it right in the face. Oh and brother, God. when that elevator door opened, it was like the exodus. <laughs> Those people were tripping over each other, trying to get out of that door. And all I could hear was a bunch of Japanese jumble, but I know they were cussing that big man. <laughs> it was, it <laughs> and, was... and, as, and, and as the door shut, all you could hear was, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and, and Andre looks down at me and he says, they won't crowd the giant again, <laughs> will they? <laughs> That's classic stuff. Was, oh yeah. He was great. Well, thank you, Ted, for your time. I know it's valuable, and um, uh, yeah, I, I wanted uh, when we were going to do this this store this uh, show about Andre, I, uh, and I saw you at an event. I, I, you know, wanted to make sure that we got you on because that main that that main event and the lead, you know, the 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 you know, build up to WrestleMania and then SummerSlam with the Mega Powers 
versus the Mega Bucks is yeah. a huge piece of of uh, wrestling history that almost everybody that uh, lived it remembers. So uh, pr- appreciate your time, and we'd love to have you on sometime for a uh, for a uh, uh, you know talk more about your career. But I know your time is limited today. You have an event, so uh, thank you so much, and uh, have a great weekend. Hey, brother, my pleasure. Be glad to come back on in any time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, talking Andre the Giant and uh, friend of the show, Kevin Sullivan, the legend, airy WCW Nitro Booker, and uh, uh, done so much in this business uh, behind the scenes and in the ring. And uh, Kevin, how are you, sir? Welcome back to City Ringside. Oh, great. I'm glad to hear your voice, David. It's a pleasure being on with you. Yeah, uh, always love to get your perspective because... You're, you're, you know, not kissing your ass, but uh, we've talked about this. You are extremely smart when it comes to the business and and the world, and and it's so funny because Andre was Andre the Giant was such a uh, uh, success uh, back in the day in the territory day, going from territory to territory and country to country, and um, and now with this uh, HBO documentary uh, that's debuting coming up soon uh, on HBO, uh, they. Uh, They've really uh, sort of gotten his name back out there, and people really are talking about him. So I was wondering if you had any. Uh, I'm sure you had some great Andre stories. Uh, you know, the drinking stories are always legendary. But anything, just to right. you know, pick your brain. Yeah, I, at my house, you know, I have a man's cave, but it is full of mostly uh, old baseball cards, like I have. Uh, the 1952 Bowman's on a case on my wall, and uh, they're all Red Sox. And on the other side of it is the Boston Braves from uh, 1947 and 48 when they won the pennant. I actually have a a shadow box of po- uh, pennants and buttons from the Braves when they were in Boston. And I have football cards back at that time. And I have... Uh, Part of the center field wall in Fenway Park, signed by Jimmy Pearsall. I have the Fisk left field pole signed by part of it, the old pole signed. It's just a little piece that they sold up, signed by Carlton Fisk. Then I have right field signed by Johnny Pesky. But the only memorabilia I have from wrestling is a picture of me and Ali. David, you were there when we did the Ali first one in Cobo Hall. Remember? Yeah, I'm looking. I'm sitting in my office, and I'm looking at a picture. Uh, I, he would kind of look down uh, when they took the picture of me standing next to him. So it's not a great picture, but hey, just me standing next to greatness that is Muhammad Ali. I still put it on my wall. He's not. He doesn't yeah, even. I, I don't think he knew I was there. I was just kind of. Everybody was going nuts trying to pop. Now, I know we're getting off subject, but that's okay. Every yeah. everybody. I mean, we. I remember Pee Wee Anderson, who was my uh, my 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 uh, riding buddy back then, and uh, and everybody's trying to figure out how am I going to get a photo with Ali and trying to uh, you know make plans on how to get in there and when's the right time and you know you had a ton of strokes so uh, you know you were yeah. able to do it no problem but us kind of you know referees and ring announcers and stooges we had to figure out how to how to you know I think. Actually, like Paul Orndorff is behind me, like waiting in line for his opportunity when in, in, you could see in the picture. So, uh, uh, but yeah, so you have the picture of Ali, which was uh, exciting. It, it, it was exciting for everybody when we had him, for sure. 
And and the only other piece of memorabilia I have hanging from wrestling is a picture of uh, we were in East Boston. I took Andre to eat at a friend of mine's restaurant, and he's holding me and my brother up, one in each hand. And I weighed about 235 at the time. My brother weighed 250. And he's holding us like babies. But Andre had the day off the next day. And he, I took him up to New Hampshire, which was a 90-mile ride each way. And he went to show in tell for my nephews oh my god and yeah and they, they were in the fourth grade at the time and can you imagine those kids when andre walked in you know he, he you know how huge he was but can you imagine a fourth grader looking at andre that's he the was cool, so, that's like the coolest thing i've ever heard quite frankly <laughs> yeah he was so good to me i mean i could tell you stories uh i remember one when uh I wrestled Andre, and uh, he was there for, in Florida for two weeks, and he wrestled John Studd in Orlando the week before and gave Studd nothing. So uh, I used to have this thing where I'd buy a bottle of Crown Royal and send it to Andre. There you go. From the dress room. So I send him the bottle, and I give it to Fonzie, give him to me, he comes back, and he says, I don't think that was such a good idea. I said, why not, Bill? You know I always do it. He said, well, he finished one before he opened yours. I said, oh, God. <laughs> so he had given Stud nothing because John had, who was a wonderful, wonderful human being, had heat with Andre because he called himself the true giant of professional wrestling. And he gave Stud nothing and kind of whacked him around. So I go down. And I used to do this thing with Andre where I'd attack him. He would sell on the outside. He'd make a comeback, throw me in the ring, and then I'd be on my knees and he'd step over. And the height difference was tremendous anyway. But me being my knees, that would be the popper we usually go home. So the match starts. I run him into the post, and he bladed himself. Oh, wow. It was the only time I ever. Yeah, I only the only time I ever fell out of character, this elderly woman with fingernails like a crow <laughs> grabbed me from the back and ripped my back. And I mean, it stung like hell. And I turned around to her and I said, are you stupid? He's seven foot four. I'm five eight. He's 500 pounds. I'm 240. <laughs> Sit down. He's going to kick the shit out of me. So as I come. As, and, and Andre's taking these bumps for me. and says, come on, keep coming, keep coming. And, I mean, he's flopping like a fish. And obviously, my sister-in-law later saw the, a tape of me working on Andre, and she said, he could be that big. I said, why? She said, every time he hit you, all you did was shake your head. So he was very, very good. But when I get back to the dress room, John, if, did you know John at all? John Studd? No, no. Yeah. Well, he, he had this thing that when he got nervous, he would squeeze his hands, you know, fingers, close his fist, open his fist. He was doing it like a rap machine gun. He says, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand it. I'm 6'11", 350 pounds. He doesn't sell for me. Why does he sell for you like that? But anyway, 
We've all heard the Drinker stories, but what a lot of people don't know, he was a real ladies' man. Oh, I've never heard that part. Yeah. So maybe I was good to him because I used to, he was good to me because I used to set him up with these girls once in a while. So there was a girl in Jacksonville that was very pretty and she was talking to me. And I went back in the dress room and in Jacksonville, we could go from dress room to dress room, which was unusual back in the day. Right. And he said, and he said to me, boss, what do you think? I said, why do you want to meet her? He said, of course. And he was, had been rode up with me. He said, I will fly back to Tampa. He <laughs> set me up. So I set him up with her. And so the next week I'm at Jacksonville and I saw her and I said, let me ask you something. Is he really a giant? She said, <laughs> you know, the limb of a, a great, if, Redwood tree doesn't look too big until you put your hands around it. And I laugh like hell. You know, it's funny. Then, it's funny because I, I, not to cut you off, but, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've heard, I've heard stories about, you know, Andre being with, you know, uh, rats or women and stuff like that. And you, you have to wonder if, if, you know, obviously, you know, uh, you know, you have to wonder if part of the reason I'm not saying all the reason was because they were interested to see, you know, if, uh, you know, if everything kind of was, uh, what do you say, uh, proportionate? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. It, I guess we, I guess we know the, it, I guess we know the answer now from the girl in Jacksonville. Yeah, obviously it was. So then I, then something else happened to me one time with Andre with women. I, I had to laugh my ass off. I had rented. Uh, back in the days, we used to rent some cars. Not like. We did when we were at WCW in the office paying for it. So I had rented this small Ford. And he said, boss, give me the keys. We're in Tampa. Not not Tampa. We went from Tampa to Miami. And we parked there. And I said, okay, here's the keys. And I didn't know what the hell he was going to do. And the matches were over. I thought he was taking his bag. And I, I started heading to the car. And I thought the car was running, but it was jumping up and down. <laughs> I go up, and he's, he's, he's taking the whole back seat up, and I can't see the girl. And, you know, after that, I step back, and after it happened, I see Andre getting out, and he's pulling his pants on. And as the girl gets out, she had a smile like a Cheshire cat <laughs> in a cartoon. So the other one was, do you remember John the Wolfman Smith? He had a bar on Waters. I, I, I don't I never I don't think I ever saw him wrestle, but I remember that uh, he advertised the bar in the programs. Uh, you know, I lived right. in South Florida, and he was was at the bar. His bar was in Tampa, but I remember I remember the advertisements. Yeah. yeah. So John was a good friend to Andre's. Andre was a good friend to almost everybody. So when when Andre would come in, John would. After hours, when people had to leave, he'd lock the door and Andre and his select customers would be able to stay. So, you know, I don't have to tell you, you know, we're drinking beer and he's drinking them out of pitchers. You know what I mean? He's finishing a pitcher of beer while everybody else is finishing a, a, a can of beer or a bottle of beer. 
and he gets amorous with this woman. Amorous, and I love a pool, it. There's a pool table here, and he's got her laid out on the pool table, semi-naked, and her boyfriend's there. And his boyfriend, her boyfriend turned to me and said, what should I do? And I said, <laughs> well, if I was you, I'd just get a seat and pull up and watch this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not like he's had much that he was going to be able to do at that point. Yeah, and David, he was such a kind and giving guy. He really was. And I really forgot how much I worked with him until I I looked at some, uh, somebody had some old uh, weeks bookings, you know, the cards all week in Florida. And there was a time I was working with him almost every time he came down with him and Dusty against me and uh, Mark or Buzz Sawyer for a while. And he was such a great guy. He was such a giving guy if he liked you. And he, he was a guy, when he left the territory for the week, uh, one time I was questioned by Eddie because it was in Tampa. And he said, don't you think you didn't sell enough for him? And Andre heard him, and Andre went up to him and said, boss, he said, he has to draw next week. That's why I do for him. And he was a businessman. You know what I mean? He could have, hey, David, he could have squashed anybody, but he wanted you to look good, and he wanted the business to be better after he left. And a lot of guys, in his position, wouldn't think that way. You know that. Right, you, sure. You're smart. So, I mean, I always wanted to work with Andre because it's like, uh, you know, when you see something, if you're a hunter and you see a, a, a deer shot, you know, maybe sad to some people, but when you see an elephant go down, it's like, whoa. And that's what it was with him. He would sell and he made the guys that were his opponents. When he beat them, the next week, it didn't hurt you at all because, I mean, uh, Scott Hall, I've heard him on YouTube, said he couldn't stand me because he would go to the matches, and I would say in the next week, well, I beat, beat up Andre and sent him out of town. Who's going to, who am I going to, who's going to stand up to me now? And, he had, he was good for business, but he, Dave, unless you were next to him, you can't imagine how big he was. You know, the people that hear the stories of him, I could take my three fingers and put it in his pinky ring. I mean, his hand would have covered your whole head. He was, and he, you know, the drinking stories, you know, like everything else in our business gets exaggerated. But there's a restaurant in Providence, Rhode Island, that on their placemats talks about how much he drank there. It was like 117 bottles of beer, a bottle of cognac, three bottles of wine, and then it was like 27 lobsters. I mean, his drinking prowess, which probably hurt his health in the long run, he was just... 
you know, he was nobody's been able to replace him. That's what he, for sure. Would he, wa- would he wake up with he, a would he wake up with a hangover, or he just got up at nine a.m. and he was fine? He, he could get up. He was like uh, Flair. I think Flair must have the same constitution. You know, <laughs> he would get up, and you know, you were around Rick enough. You saw him. He'd be out all night. Come in at six o'clock in the morning. Eight o'clock, he's doing five hundred squats by the pool. With the guy that went drinking with him, and the guy that went drinking with him was sick and turning green. Yeah, and I've been. It didn't seem to affect Andre, and I've I never saw him uh, knee dropping, puking, drunk. He he would have a buzz, but I think Dave he again. You saw him. Was there anybody that came close to his size? that you've ever seen. No, I mean, the only one I could think of is, is Paul White, but, uh, you know, as far as his, like, appendages, like, Paul White's fingers are huge in hand. Uh, he doesn't yeah. have the size, but, um, uh, yeah, and the cool thing, I grew up watching championship wrestling from Florida, so I remember the, the, those matches, and, and, you know, you talk about you only being 5'8", him being 7, whatever, you know, 7'1", 7'2", 7'3", but, but, you know, and that sounds like a huge size difference, and it looked like a huge size difference, but the thing is, you were the number one heel in the territory. So it wasn't like, you know, they were looking, you know, they, people, the fans took you seriously because of, you know, the gimmick that you were doing and your, your whole stable that you had and the spike and all that. So, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, it was an amazing visual to see, but, you know, it wasn't like, a, like an enhancement match where, you know, he was just throwing your, you know, throwing you around and you weren't and, and you didn't get any offense you know you were the top heel in the territory so you know the, you saw this this huge guy that was selling for you at, at, at you know your size and it was just an even like like you said like you said he told eddie graham you know he has to draw it was just a it was a really cool visual and i'm sure that uh you know it helped you get over more like you said you know the next week and the next week oh. after that so that's an awesome absolutely the, the visual yeah, absolutely. the visual was just amazing so uh i, I yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. I still can't get over the 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 um the taking him to your niece's school for show and tell. That's that's absolutely yeah. tremendous. I wish that I haven't seen. Yeah. Obviously, I haven't seen the documentary, but I wish they would interview that you just for that if, if for only that story because that's just such a cool story yeah. to bring Andre the it Giant was, for show and tell. And just think about this, Dave. He was on the road constantly. Sure, constantly. It was just that we had a day off and he went 90 miles each way out of his way. He didn't, he could have said, no, I'm too tired, but he did it for me. And he did it for my nephews because he was a friend. I mean, so, uh, you know, I just, I just thought the world of him, and it was sad that he left us so soon. And, you know, think about this. At the end, he was hurt bad, his back. Right. Yet he let Hogan slam him. You know, he could have, that WrestleMania, a lot of people don't realize this, I don't think. That's what made WrestleMania and Hogan so special because that was a very good match for the people to see. And it really cemented Hogan. I mean, they actually, I talked to Hogan one time and they were actually talking about a DQ. And he said, no, 
the torch needs to be passed. And I mean, uh, that's the kind of guy he was. I mean, he could have said, no, what's anybody going to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. They did done a DQ. They've done DQs before. They did it with Sid. So, I mean, they could have done that. But, yeah, he did the right thing. And, and I remember watching that match on in, in, sitting in my house on uh, uh, the early days of pay-per-view. And, uh, you know, you know, it wasn't what you, you know, people talk about that match and, you know, as far as match quality, you know, everybody's hung up on match quality these days. I get it. You know, I saw the, the new recently the New Japan show that was out at Long Beach. And, yeah, they had some 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 great match quality. But as a fan, the, the it wasn't so much about, you know, uh, dives and, 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 and high flying moves. And, and it was about seeing a guy that, you know, like in, in Andre that had, had been promoted as never lost. And and right. although he had lost in different places around the world, but he, they had promoted it as he never lost a freaking match in 20 years. And Hulk Hogan's trying to overcome that. And, and the psychology of that overcame, in my in my opinion, and I'm not kissing ass because, uh, you know, Andre's gone and, and, and you know, Hulk's not going to, you know, not going to be listening to this podcast. I, I would hope he, he would. But, you know, I'm realistic. And uh, but but the psychology of of of. Well, you know, good versus evil and, uh, you know, uh, you know, the giant versus uh, Hulkamania, uh, I thought was I uh, had me glued to my to the to the screen. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the other thing is some of us forget, Dave, you remember the thing they did that really set that angle off is when he grabbed Hogan and you didn't know if he did it on purpose or not, but he ripped. He ripped the cross, cross off. Of- yeah. And Hogan digged himself in the chest. And, you know, people at back in the day kind of knew what we were doing. But no one would have thought, you know, you would have done it to your chest. Yeah. And, I mean, it was done brilliantly. And I, I often wondered if that match had been a DQ, would it have taken them a while to get WrestleMania back on track? But... It took a long time for them to break that record, right? They broke it in Dallas, but it took them a long time. And you mentioned something about uh, New Japan, which I think is fabulous. I think the the guys are much better athletes today than they were in my time. But the characters, that's what you paid to see. You put it in a great term. You were seeing... A giant who looked like nobody could beat him. They promoted that he hadn't lost in 20 years. Hulk went to slam him twice and couldn't do it. Then when he hulked up with all the Hulkamaniacs behind him, he slammed him. The roof blew off. And I don't care how many dives and how many, and I'm not, I think dives have a place. Sure. But, but. Back then, it was a character-driven business, and you popped. I know I did when I saw Hogan do it because the way they told the story. Yeah. And, uh, and and even even was, as uh, even as much as like for much of the buildup, Hogan acted like scared, <laughs> like please, Andre, don't do this. You know, uh, you know he's supposed yeah. to be this big Superman character himself, but he's intimidated by the bigger Superman character, and uh, it was just I. I, I, as a fan, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I haven't even thought about uh, the build to that match um, all that much until recently when we were getting ready to do this. But 
Yeah, it was it was fantastic. The match, you know, like I said, wasn't acrobatic, but the psychology uh, to me had me captivated from the moment that they the bell ring until the leg drop in the one two three. So, uh, right. So I mean, did you have any chance to hang with him on all day? No, um, I spoke about this earlier uh, when when I opened the show and. Um, the only time I was even in his presence was at the uh, Turner, uh, the TBS, I think it was 25th anniversary show that Bill Watts did, where he had all the legends. Right. Bruno was there, and Andre was actually there in his Princess Bride outfit. And I was such a huge Princess Bride, and I still am such a huge Princess Bride fan. But I wasn't even the ring announcer yet. I was just driving guys up. I, I, I so much wanted to grab a picture, but I didn't want to be looked at as a mark, especially around guys like Bruno and... Bill Watts and Andre and but I was able to so I never got to hang with him. I'd love to drink with him. I probably would have lasted about twenty minutes and they'd have carried me back to my room. But uh, but uh, but yeah, you know, I got to stand next to him and see how big he was. And and you know, there's part of me that wishes that I'd have snapped that picture because that'd be my you know the 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 the, the coolest thing that I would could you know ever uh, put up in any kind of office or man cave. But. Uh, you know, it just wasn't my place at that point uh, on the in such a big event to hop in for a picture. I wish I had, I wish I had the balls sometimes, but uh, just it wasn't my place. And unfortunately, he had he passed very soon after that, so I never had another opportunity. I would have loved to uh, hung with a guy if not just once, just to say I did. But uh, that's right. that's why we live. That's why we live vicariously through people like you and who who got to know him and who travel with him and work with him. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show. So. I, I really thank you for your time, uh, Kevin, and um, and we'll stay in touch and uh, uh, appreciate the great stories. And and now, now, hey, now, like they say, now we know the rest of the story as far as uh, proportion. So uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, David. Always a big thank you to Kevin Sullivan. Uh, he, like I said, uh, you pick a subject on professional wrestling or even world history, and the guy could go for about thirty minutes of entertaining uh, insight and stories. So I'm so glad he was able to hop on with us. You never realize how big a redwood tree is until you hold it in your hand. I don't know if I'll ever forget those words and the imagery that uh, that uh, that he described it in. But uh, hey. We broke. We broke it. We broke news. It's it's news. Uh, so um, I'll just uh, leave it at that. But thank you very much to Kevin Sullivan, and also to the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. We look forward to doing a full podcast to talk about Ted and his entire career and what he's up to now. I uh, did the Legends of Wrestling event with Ted and Road Warrior Animal. Uh, saw Lex Luger, who's promised to come on the podcast, and. Um, uh, Eric Bischoff and uh, kind of floated maybe, you know, hey, I have a podcast and uh, and so many more of the legends of wrestling and uh, had such a great time in Augusta a couple of weeks ago. And uh, we're going to be coming to Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Mike Freeland will be there in Detroit. Uh, and uh, so that's something to get excited about for the three Freeland fanatics uh, who are out there. You might have four now. But uh, he's coming to check it out. It's uh, stacked. It's uh, uh, headlined by uh, Sting, Ric Flair, Ted DiBiase, uh, the Nasty Boys, Jimmy Hart, uh, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, Road Warrior, Animal, Eric Bischoff will be back, 
and uh, a lot more. So it's a pretty stacked uh, lineup. Tickets are going fast, actually, especially the VIP ticket. So uh, if you want to get that VIP experience and be able to meet uh, your favorite wrestling stars from the past, the legends that are uh, the legends of wrestling, please be sure to check that out. Uh, TheLegendsOfWrestling.com is where you get all the information. TheLegendsOfWrestling.com. And um, for all you Florida fans, it looks like we're going to be in uh, uh, Fort Myers uh, later on this year. So uh, we're looking forward to that as well. Thank you to Beasley Media Group for Augusta and also for the Detroit show for making those happen. Ladies and gentlemen, I just can't get this out of my mind. I'm sorry to go back to this. You never realize how big a redwood tree is until you hold it in your hand. That might be like the, uh, my, my, my tagline from now on every, every, every show. That'll be my outline. I think, Hey, next week, uh, WrestleMania, uh, weekend, uh, we usually drop on Monday. We are going speaking, uh, Freeland fanatics. Uh, we're going to bring Mike Freeland back. Um, and we're going to sit down and review everything that, uh, was WrestleMania weekend. We'll talk about the hall of fame. Talk a little bit about NXT TakeOver and, of course, WrestleMania itself and the uh, and what's come out of that weekend. It's always a very historic weekend, for sure. The biggest of the uh, year. And uh, so the podcast next week, just as an FYI, will drop on Tuesday morning instead of Monday morning. So we have time to review all of that uh, information that comes out and uh, give you our takes of what we thought about the different uh, events and some of the headlines. So I want to thank again, Ted DiBiase. want to thank Kevin Sullivan. want to remind you, uh, the Andre the Giant documentary premieres on HBO on April the 10th. I will be watching for sure. Can't wait. And now with some new told stories by some of uh, the influential people uh, involved in his life and his career and uh, the business, uh, you even have more of a perspective when you watch the documentary. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. Hey, hit me up at David Penzer on Twitter or at Penzer Ringside. You could, uh, you could email me at uh, David Penzer at RadioInfluence.com. David Penzer at RadioInfluence.com. A couple fans dropped me a line this past week just saying enjoyed, you know, talking about uh, enjoying my work in WCW and, uh, and, and how it's affected the work that they do. Uh, and I really appreciate stuff like that. So, uh, if you have any questions feel free to reach out if you want to talk wrestling uh like i said hey david penzer i'm always uh always playing around on twitter trying to figure it out but until next time i'm david penzer of course still sitting ringside we'll see you next tuesday with our wrestlemania weekend wrap-up follow david penzer on twitter at david penzer also make sure to follow the show on twitter at penzer ringside You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. This is a Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy Quick Fix on Radio Influence. We in the restaurant industry utilize open table or reserve or something like that to allow people to make their own reservation. We allot for a certain amount of restaurants or of reservations every single night. It matches up with the tables that we have in the restaurant. As a server or a hostess, you're able to go in, see what your reservations are for the night, be able to be prepared for that. It allows you to handle staffing 
for the restaurant. It allows you to do budgeting so that you can make sure that you have enough food to handle the reservations that you have coming in along with the allotted amount of walk-in reservations that you have. It's a brilliant system. I don't care which one you use, open table or reserve. I'm a big fan of both of them. Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course, RadioInfluence.com.